0: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Michael Balco Show. Thank you guys so much for all your love, all your support. This is episode 101 of the Michael Balco Show. Once again, I love and appreciate all of you guys. Today, I'm joined by Clay Harbor, man, a nine-year NFL veteran, played tight end. Um, he spent time with Philadelphia Eagles, Jacksonville Jaguars, New England Patriots, Detroit Lions, and the New Orleans Saints. Um, he was also on The Bachelorette Season 14 and Bachelor in Paradise as well. Um, for all you lady listeners out there. Just uh, man, Clay is such a great dude. Uh, We talk football in this episode. We talk about his career, man. Such a such a moving story. You know, he was very under recruited um, throughout high school. I mean, he graduated with like 60 other kids um, and he still found his way to being a fourth round draft pick in the National Football League. Um, Man, we talk about, you know, today's NFL as well. Hearing it from a, a recent former player perspective is is really, really cool. Um, We talk about a bunch of different topics, man. You guys are going to enjoy this one. Um, Show some love to it. And uh, I appreciate you guys. Please rate this podcast five stars everywhere you listen to it at. And uh, let's subscribe on YouTube as well. Appreciate you guys and love you guys. Peace.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to you the greatest sports journalist in the history of Erie, Pennsylvania, Mr. Mike Balco. My My boy,
0: Michael Balco, writer,
1: podcaster
0: enthusiast. He is the first guest that we have on the Black Eagle Hour podcast this year. Michael Balco has been living out the mm. mood of working a dream job. This satellite
1: like
0: uh, Who that disc contributed. And he also has his own podcast, the Mike Balco Show. Uh, I want you all to uh, welcome Mr. Mike Balco. today to speak about the New Orleans Saints is Michael Balco. The Michael Balco Show. Michael Balco. The Michael Balco. Host of the Michael Balco show. Please welcome Michael Balco. What's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? Good morning. Welcome back to another episode of the Michael Balco show. It's your host. You don't even need an introduction. Come on now, y'all. Joining me today is a nine-year NFL veteran who hails from Dwight, Illinois, a TV personality who was featured in season 14 of The Bachelorette, season six of Bachelor in Paradise, and fourth round draft pick by the Philadelphia Eagles, the one, the only, Clay Harbour. How we doing, brother?
1: I'm doing great. It's a, it's a beautiful day already out here in Chicago. Sun just rose, ready to seize the day. Carpe diem.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We got to, right? You got to get up. You got to get going and, and do this thing. But first and foremost, we got to rep the hometown. Let's talk about your hometown of Dwight, Illinois, and what makes it so unique.
1: Well, Dwight is, uh, is very small. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's not even – it's about 3,000 people in the, in the entire population. It's in the middle of the state of, of Illinois, and there, there's really not much. It's not even a town. It's technically a village. Um, because we don't re- reach all the requirements to be called a town, so it's actually the village of the White. I graduated with about sixty kids in my class in high school. We had to have uh, three schools come together to form one football team, so uh, it's small. Everybody knows everybody. You know everybody's family, their who their grandma. You know where everybody lives, everybody's house. So it's uh, it's interesting, but. I wouldn't have chosen any other way to grow up. It was uh, it was unique, but I enjoyed it. How did you uh,
0: end up getting to Chicago? Tell us a little bit about Chicago. What makes that special for you? So yeah, Chicago is just
1: the the closest city to uh, to where my family lives. My mom still lives in Dwight. My aunts and a lot of my family. And then my dad lives a little bit closer to the city, the suburbs. My other my grandma, uh, my other side of the family. So. When I got drafted to NFL in the off seasons, you know, where do I want to stay? And I wanted to be near family. And I decided that Chicago was the best bet because it was a city and I could get to everybody kind of in the middle. So that's why I started uh, living in Chicago. And, you know, it's been like 15 years now, but I love the city.
0: In hindsight, you never played for the Chicago Bears. Was that ever
1: like an option for you? I had I had a chance to play for the Bears but you know in the NFL when you're when you're playing money talks so they didn't give a the contract that the Jaguars did so I went back to the Jags nice nice
0: so like you just kind of mentioned you graduated with about 60 other kids um, and you know that that dampened your recruiting process a little bit unrightfully so as you just shattered score records um, so you were overlooked as a high school football recruit um, despite securing an all-interstate eight conference honor in football as well as basketball and track, so tell us about your recruiting experience and how you ended up at Missouri State.
1: Yeah, being from a small school, you don't get recruited much. My brother the year before was was really good, and he got uh, he only got one scholarship offer from Missouri State University, and he took it. And um, you know, I'm I'm going through the same thing. You know, breaking school records. I was a three-sport uh, all-state athlete. And uh, when it came down to, it, I didn't have many offers. It was more of a basketball player. I got hurt during my uh, my first. I think it was like my third game, maybe in my senior year of basketball. So then the bigger schools dropped out, and the only school that really was uh, interested in offering me a scholarship was Missouri State. And that's because my brother, you know, kept telling him, "Hey, like this guy's good. Check out my tape. Check out my tape." He checked out the tape. They liked me, and they brought me in. So luckily, my brother, I had a brother there to, to be a salesman for me. And then it worked out.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, looking back at a lot of guys who have found success at the professional level in the NFL and even the XFL and all these other leagues across across the world really, um, you know, it's always the small school dudes that always like stick stick out and leave leave that you know that, that lasting impression, you know. So people they just need to start recruiting the, the smaller high schools, man, because they're built different.
1: Yeah, yeah, if I'm ever if I ever become a coach or something and <laughs> In college, I'm definitely not going to overlook these small schools because there's some talent there, and they play the game the way it's supposed to be played, in my opinion. And you get to play both ways, you know. Like I loved playing offense. I was a starting wide receiver. I was a starting safety. I was our kicker. I was our punter. I was our kick returner. I was our punt returner. So the whole game, I never left the field. You know, there ain't no unit thing. You're you're getting cross trained in every position.
0: Got that stamina built up, my man. <laughs> So while at Missouri State you basically just rewrote the entire record book again. Um you set records in all-time receptions, reception to season, amongst other things. Um when did you realize that you had the tools to take your talents to the next level and play in the NFL?
1: Yeah, did. I I broke a lot of records but it didn't happen right away. So I go in as a as a freshman and you know, everybody wants to play and they don't realize that it's probably the best you get redshirted. So I got redshirted. And that was that was cool. I ended up being able to acclimate a little bit to the college life. Next season, I didn't play much either. I was a wide receiver when I got recruited. And uh, my redshirt freshman year, I probably had about six receptions for 70 yards or something as a wide receiver. Finally, my sophomore year, we had a couple injuries, the tight end position. And the coaches were like, hey, Clay, like we need you to move to tight end. And I was mad. I didn't want to play tight end. I thought I was a wide receiver. And they moved me to tight end, and then when I started playing there, I realized how easy it was to get open from the tight end position as opposed to the wide receiver position because you're still the same player. you got the same speed and and route running capabilities and catch the football, but now instead of running against cornerbacks whose sole job is to stop someone from catching the football, you're, you're running against linebackers most of the time. I'm like, dude, these guys can't guard me. I just written I went from being this guy that was this average receiver, couldn't step on the field, I moved to tight end, and I'm just dominating these guys and these guys can't can't guard me. And I ended up being uh, getting all America honors and first team all conference honors as a sophomore, junior and senior. So it was kind of funny how that happened. If we don't have injuries, I may never move to tight end. And you know, obviously I don't think I had what it take took to uh, to play in the NFL as a wide receiver.
0: Yeah, as you mentioned, you moved from wide receiver to tight end. Kind of how was that transition? Was that a rather easy transition for you? I know you said you didn't like it at first, but, you know, did you feel like you feel like it's harder to be a receiver or do you feel like it's harder to be a tight end? I know, you know, tight end kind of requires you to like have a little bit more of that second level in that behind the scenes aspect of the game, if you will, like the blocking and, you know, assisting in the run game a little bit more. Kind of what's your what's your take on that?
1: I mean, it's difficult as a receiver to run routes on a cornerback because cornerbacks are pretty good at coverage if you're talking about tight end versus, versus receiver. But as a position as a whole, tight end, because you got to know protections, you got to know blocking, you, you got to know some of that stuff as a receiver. But basically, you're just running routes out there and stock blocking either the cornerback or the safety. So you got to know all the protections, you got to know the run blocks at tight end and then you also got to uh you, you got to be physical. You got to be able to hold up in the run game and then you got to run routes and be able to do all that stuff. So I think I think tight ends harder mentally, but uh you know physically as far as getting open, if that's what you're talking about then I'd say wide receiver is is much more difficult because when the guys are going into out there, their their one job is to stop you from catching a pass. A linebacker has got to be able to take on a lead block, take on a, a a pulling guard and, you know, be able to guard a tight end. So they got a lot of things on their mind. And if you're a guy that could take on a, a offensive guard, you're not going to guard me. That was always my sense.
0: Is there one player throughout your entire football career that like really resonates with you as one guy that was very, very hard to play against?
1: Um, I'm, yeah, there was I mean, there was a couple I, I really back when I was with the Eagles, I didn't like DeMarcus Ware. He got the better of me whenever I had to block him one on one. And that that guy was he's a Hall of Famer, but that was never fun trying to block D Ware. Mario Williams, if you remember an older uh, Houston Texan first round draft pick, I had trouble with that guy, too. I remember he literally like picked me up off the ground one play and I'm like, wow like you're a grown man play like come on you can't let that happen but those two guys were good
0: yeah for sure and then we're going to flash it back a little bit so you were drafted in the fourth round of the 2010 NFL draft um you know coming from a small school overlooked in high school recruiting you know you got that one offer that you needed how good did that feel um to get drafted and not just drafted but like my the way I always say it is like if you're drafted in like those top four to five rounds like I mean, you're almost a lock to make the roster, not necessarily, but like, you know, you're you're pretty much a lock to make the roster. So you were drafted with pretty high capital, you know, coming from a small school. What was your draft experience like as a whole, and how did it feel to kind of go through that whole process?
1: Yeah, that experience was honestly looking back, like that was probably one of the funnest uh, times in my life. Because you're hiring an agent, then you got these teams flying you out for visits. You got the combine coming, then you got these all-star games you're trying to show out these all-star games and then right after that you just sit back and you're working out and you're waiting for the draft. And the draft is a really special day. I was in my hometown Dwight. I got a little hotel. There was one hotel in town just because I didn't people were showing up at my house trying to like talk to me about it. I'm like, dude, I don't want to talk to these people. So me and my friends and uh my dad got a hotel. We just waited out the draft out there and um Coach Reed called me, hey, Clay, it's uh, Andy Reed, we're going to draft you. Uh, I'm like, okay, and, you know, like, wow, this is crazy, this is really happening. And I wanted to get drafted a little earlier, I was hoping for the third round, that's what some of the experts had told me, but getting drafted in the fourth round was was fine, as long as I got the opportunity to play in the NFL. And uh, it was a very special day, we popped some champagne, we had a little barbecue at my mom's house, and, yeah, we enjoyed it.
0: That's awesome, man. And uh, so you know, you get to Philadelphia. What teammate is kind of the first one to reach out to you, kind of take you under under their arms and and kind of show you the ropes about NFL football. So which which teammates kind of helped you transition to the NFL the most?
1: Um, I mean, we had a great team there, but I don't think there was any guys that were really mentors. But I so I I kind of hung out with some of the other rookies. My roommate, I ended up being a roommate that year. His name was Kirk Coleman. Um, he was a really good friend of mine. Uh, Nate Allen uh, was a good, good guy. Used to hang out with a lot. Uh, Austin Howard, all offensive tackle, was recent, was playing up until recently. Guy had a great, great career. But uh, yeah, so there was, there were some really good guys in the team. But as far as like a mentor, I don't think I really had that as far as another player. I mean, I had another tight end. Brett Selick was a great player, but he didn't really want to be bothered with as like a mentor or anything like that, but a really good guy. And, you know, he was a good guy to like model your game after on Sundays.
0: Yeah. And tell us, tell us the story of when Chip Kelly came to Philadelphia. I think it was Philadelphia. Yeah. And, you know, he wanted you to switch from tight end to outside linebacker. Tell us that story.
1: Yeah. So Chip comes in from, from college, you know, big time signing, Chip Kelly, and uh, he's got this idea to uh, because he likes my athleticism. I was a pretty athletic guy. I mean, I didn't get the numbers I should have. But in practice, if there was a Hall of Fame for practice, I, should, I would have been a practice Hall of Famer. Guys couldn't guard me in practice. But for some reason, it didn't always translate to the game. But it's like, man, we really like your athletic ability. And they drafted Zach Ertz. We had Brent Selick, James Casey. We had just signed a dude named Derek Carrier. And I was just buried on the depth chart after playing for my first three years. So he uh, he wants to move me to linebacker, and and I was open to it. I so I played OTAs trying to rush the passer as a line outside linebacker, trying to get off the ball, rush the passer, pass drop. I've never backpedaled in my life, and uh, it was interesting. And after a few days, I mean, I just told Chips right up, like, "Hey man, like I don't I don't want to play linebacker." And um, I asked I honestly I asked him to uh, to trade me or release me, and he wouldn't do it. But uh ended up going back to tight end. Then he moved me to wide receiver for the rest of that that uh, camp and uh, preseason. So it was an interesting year for sure.
0: Yeah, just trying to come in and, and give you the old Miles Jack treatment, I guess. Um <laughs> uh, who is the best quarterback that you've ever played with throughout your entire football
1: career? Well, I didn't get to play with him much, but um, – 'cause in New Orleans, I only I, week one I got put on IR. So I didn't get to play with him. But I mean going through camp and preseason with Drew Brees, I mean he's a special guy. Um Tom Brady, I only got to play with him for for one game. He was on his uh he was I played five games with the Patriots in the whole offseason with the Patriots, but Tom Brady was on the Gate, so I really didn't get to play with Tom but the rest of that season I played with Detroit and I think Stafford is actually the guy that I really got to play with, you know, for 10 plus games. I think Stafford's a great quarterback. And, you know, he showed it this year when he won the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about Matt Stafford a little bit later for sure. We're going to talk about him. (laughs) So you wound up playing for five NFL teams over a nine year span. Um, I want to play a little game with you, dog. I want to play a little game with you. Since you're the only one here with any bachelor experience, okay? If yeah. you had to pick between the NFL cities that you've played in, so we're talking Philadelphia, Jacksonville, New England, Detroit, New Orleans. you had to pick between those cities, which city gets a rose? Which city gets sent home first? And which city do you marry?
1: Oh, man. Um, I like Honestly, I liked all the cities, but – I'll probably send home Detroit. I mean, there's really not much going on in Detroit. And I'll also send home New Orleans. I wasn't big fan of New Orleans. You know, I never really got to experience, like, the nightlife of the restaurants out there. But when I did go experience, I'm like, dude, this place is is not for me. So I didn't really like New Orleans or Detroit. And then um, Boston was great. um, But... You know, I'll probably send Boston home, too, because I didn't spend as much time there. And I uh, I would give Philadelphia a row. I love Philly. It's a special spot for me. And a place I could live, Mary, is Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville's underrated. There's a lot of cool areas out there. You know, I love Duval. And um, it, it was pretty good. So, I, I would actually, surprisingly, I know for a lot of people, is I really like Jacksonville. I
0: was actually born in Jacksonville. I'm a big New Orleans Saints fan. So, I'm I'm conflicted with your response to that question. <laughs> do you
1: like New Orleans as a city? Huh? Do you like New Orleans as a city?
0: I've never actually been there, but I've heard a lot of good things about it. Yeah, seen, yeah. It, it seems like a really like dope community overall. You know what I mean? Yeah, it just seems cool. And every every person I talk to that used to play for the Saints, they're all they talk about is how great the city is. And I'm just like, oh snap. So I gotta go. It's definitely on my bucket list of things to do.
1: I want to experience it again, too, honestly.
0: Yeah, we should go together. Let's make it That's a thing. It.
1: Let's make let's it a trip it. to the game this year.
0: Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about – so we just we kind of just played that little game, but now let's just talk a little bit about your bachelor experience as a whole. How does that come about? Um, to my understanding, you were still you know playing in the NFL at the time that you joined the Bachelorette. Um, how does that process come about? And then kind of overall, what was your Bachelorette experience like?
1: Yeah, no, I was still playing and uh, it was the off season, and, uh, you know, these people just kind of approached a friend of mine to try to go on the show. He had, he had tried out before and he couldn't anymore because uh, he was seeing a girl and the, the, he's like, oh, I got some friends you might like and he showed them uh, you know, he showed him pictures of, of a few of uh, his buddies, me and a couple other guys. I'm like, oh, I like this guy. These guys are, uh, who's this? And he goes, my buddy Clay he plays football, but you know, I'll give you this number and like, Oh, we can work with them. We're very accommodating. And so, uh, next thing, you know, they offer me this gig. I didn't have to do any of the, the casting stuff. And I they're like, we just want you to come on. So I ended up going on there. I'm like, what's the worst that could happen? And I ended up being injured on the show, which is hilarious that I got injured as a football player. Um, so that's, that's kind of how I got on the show. And, and then, um, you know, and only stayed for like three weeks. It was like not even three weeks, two weeks uh, filming, and uh, and that's and that's pretty much that. It just a buddy uh, ran into a casting director who started reaching out. Bro, I watched
0: I watched the clip last night of the whole like football scene, uh, injury and all that. How the hell do the producers think that's a good idea to just put everybody in football pads
1: and just run at each other?
0: I don't know, dog. Wasn't even.
1: Pads. It was hockey pads. It was, uh, it was bad. And I didn't play at first, but I just played the last drive. I was, I'm like, all right, we should go win this game. And I would had my wrist surgically repaired the year before in New Orleans, and it wasn't healed yet, uh, even though the, the doctor told me it was good to go. The first time I did anything with it was on that show, and that's how it happened, you know, the first time I touched anyone with this wrist.
0: That's crazy, Doug. Um, so be honest with me. Do you enjoy – the Bachelorette or Bachelor in Paradise more? Neither, honestly.
1: Neither. No, it's, a, it's a interesting. It's a it's a fun world. I made a lot of friends, but you know, reality TV. I've decided. You know, it's really not for me. They uh, it's it's a whole. They try to manipulate people and make people look a certain way and tell a story. And it's it's a world weird world. And I, honestly, looking back, I wish I probably wouldn't have. Done that. It was a cool experience. I made a lot of friends, but I, you know, I'm not. I don't really like, you know, being known as like the 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 football player that went on The Bachelor. I just like being known as like the, you know, I'm I was a football player, and you know, and and everybody that I ever meet is always, you know, this is Clay from The Bachelor, and so it's weird because it is some. It's a part of my life. Made a lot of friends, but. As far as the show's concerned, it's not like a show I'm really like respect or I'm proud of. A lot of these guys on the show, they'll go on and they'll get some form of D-list celebrity status. And some of these guys think they're Leonardo DiCaprio because they went on the bad threat. I'm like, dude, this is a reality television show. You don't need any talent to go on this. I respect the guys that played football, worked their tails off to get drafted, play in the league for a number of years, be successful that way. Not so much as a person who just got cast to go on a reality TV show.
0: Yeah, for sure. Most definitely. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to flip it back to football. Don't worry.
1: (laughs) I I, I don't mind talking about it.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. We're flipping it back to football. And tell us some of your favorite, um, I don't know, just give me like your favorite on field moment throughout your entire NFL career.
1: I'll probably say my first touchdown, it was a Tuesday. Night football game, believe it or not, because we're playing on a Tuesday, um, because our Monday night football game got snowed out in Philadelphia, and uh, you know we're the only show on right now on that on TV. And then I end up catching touchdown pass from Michael Vick. That was my rookie year, and that was pretty exciting for me. And looking back, uh, that was a really special moment. And you know, sometimes I'll uh, I'll just look at some old clips from that and, and just go back down memory lane. So that was a good one.
0: So you mentioned to me earlier that. You played alongside Matthew Stafford. You have played alongside Michael Vick. You played alongside Drew Brees. You played alongside Tom Brady. Which four quarterbacks, excluding Tom Brady, obviously, because he's still in the NFL. But which four quarterbacks do you think fit the mold of those the most? Like, for example, like, which guys Justin Herbert resemble? Like, give me, like, I don't know, your best comparison for Mike Vick, your best comparison for Drew Brees, and your best comparison for... Uh, Matthew Stafford in today's NFL that's not Matthew Stafford obviously
1: <laughs> yeah no I think um, I think like Mike Vick you got a guy like Lamar Jackson you know Lamar Jackson's uh pretty pretty impressive guy he's so fast and so athletic and reminds me of Michael Vick a lot you know they both got big arms they both can run um, as far as Drew Brees I'd say a guy like uh, you know Joe Burrow they both seem to be very accurate and didn't have that that same type of uh, of work ethic. So that's those are two guys that I think can you can really compare to uh, to those type of players. Obviously, Burrow's a little bit bigger than Drew was. Drew's was only you know five eleven, six foot tall with uh, two hundred pounds. So he was a smaller guy, and to be that successful at that size is pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, most definitely. So we're going to, so tonight, tonight we got football, my man. We got football. It's an exciting time for all football fans, former players, everybody, man. It's a very, very exciting time. It's the last time we don't have football until the end of February. So that's super exciting. Um, we got the LA Rams hosting the Buffalo Bills. The Bills come in as betting favorites to secure the dub on the road. Um, who is your pick to win and give us a score prediction because hey listen dog at like midnight 11 30 something like that if your score prediction is right we're about to just go viral real quick
1: i would say 27 to 24 rams over the over the bills and i love it i, love I know it. the bills the bills are the favorites but i mean we're talking about the defense super bowl champion who's kind of retooled their team they got they got some players out there man and Fact that they're underdogs, um, I'm gonna have to take. I'm gonna have to take the Rams. I'm sorry, and I'm gonna if I bet tonight, I'm gonna put put some money on the Rams.
0: <laughs> you got to, you have to, you absolutely have to. <laughs> um, and so, who is your pick? You know, there's a lot of up and coming teams. This is, this is gonna be one of the best seasons of NFL football that I think I can think of in recent history, memory at least. Um, and there's just so many like really, really, really good teams, especially in the AFC. More particularly, the AFC West. Um, yeah. Who is your pick to win the Super Bowl this year? Or uh, give me your Super Bowl matchup and, and who you think, who do you have as the winner of the Super Bowl?
1: You know, it's hard to go against uh, Tom Brady in the NFC right now. Obviously, some people like the 49ers. You don't really know what Trey Lance is going to give you. Some people like the Eagles. I like the Eagles. So I'll say, NFC Championship game, I'll take the Eagles versus the Bucks. And I'll have the Bucks um taking you know taking the uh NFC and then on the other side you know I think it's gonna be again it's gonna be Chiefs, Bills, and uh, uh you know, I'm gonna go with uh Chiefs versus Bucks again. You know, and this time I think Chiefs win again like they did out there in Miami. But uh, you know, I think <clears throat> I think the Rams will have something to say again in in the in the NFC as well. So Eagles, Rams, Buccaneers, I think, are going to be the three big dogs in the NFC this year. And then Bills, Chiefs, I think Denver. But, I mean, it's it's all that, di- that division. You know, that, that division is going to be tough. So, uh, you know, I think the Chiefs will take it, though. It's hard to bet against Mahomes and Andy Reid. Those right. are the guys who are, are going to, uh, to make another run for the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, and, and the way I, I view it is you can't bet against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes until they give you a reason not to. So I'm yeah. I'm rolling with the Chiefs as long as I can, man. Because I I mean the Chargers are right there. I mean we got Justin Herbert, Mike Williams, like we got some yeah. Daw- Austin Eckler. I mean pound for pound, one of my favorite running backs in the NFL. And then you got like you said the Denver Broncos up and coming. I do like in my rankings, I have them finishing fourth, and they still have a winning record. So it's just, yeah, it's crazy, right? right? It's ridiculous to me. I've never seen a division that loaded before. I love the Philadelphia Eagles out of the NFC this year as well, like you mentioned. I just picked up my boy Chauncey Gardner Johnson too. So he's gonna yeah. be a huge addition. They're not playing him in the nickel, though. That's a little it's a little strange to me. That's all he's ever played in New Orleans and they're starting him at safety. I don't know. Yeah. Um so I, I, I followed you on Twitter and you know you're tweeting a ton about the Chicago Bears. So yep. What is your kind of season outlook for the Chicago Bears? You know this year. I know the national
1: media think the Bears are going to be like three and fourteen, um, you know, four and thirteen, something like that. But I think I think they can win seven seven games this year. I'm not like I'm not saying that the Bears are going to go to the Super Bowl or make the playoffs even, but I think they're going to be more competitive than people think. I think they can win eight, seven, eight games this year. I think. Fields has actually improved a lot and they got more weapons And people think. Yeah, Mike Mart saying that this is the least talented team he's seen since the 0 16 Detroit Lions. And um, I, I just don't think that's right. I, I think Cole Komet's going to have a big year. I think Darnell Mooney is a solid receiver. Uh, David Montgomery is a running back that that's vastly underrated. O-line's not good. I'll be honest. It's not good. But I don't think it's the worst in the league. Like, everybody's got them ranked. I mean, they're probably down there in, like, 23, something like that. They're not great. But watching them in camp, like, some of these young guys are actually pretty good. And I know you see a fifth-round draft pick start and you get scared. But, like, Braxton Jones and Larry Borum are, it was a fifth-round draft pick last year. But these guys can actually play a little bit. And, you know, if I'm not watching – I think the same thing, but you know they're holding up. They're going. They're going against Robert Quinn every day. You know they're they're playing in some big time guys, and they're holding their own. So I'm a little bit more hopeful for the hometown Bears than I uh, than I am than a lot of the other national media members are.
0: I like several other you know fantasy football players. Millions of fantasy football players across the country and the, the world really own Darnell Mooney in fantasy football. Please, please, please give me some something positive about my boy Darnell Mooney going into going into week one. Is he looking like that wide receiver one for sure? Like kind of what can – I don't know. What what do you think we can expect from, from like a target standpoint for him? Oh, yeah, he's going to get tons
1: of targets. I mean, he's, he's the only really proven weapon that the Bears got. He's going to get the ball thrown his way a bunch, and I think Fields is looking better this year. So I think he got a good one there, and I, I think Mooney will, will impress. I'm pretty hyped. I also
0: have Justin Fields in a super flex league. So like you can have two quarterbacks play. And you know, I have I have Justin Fields and then I have Darnell Mooney in a different league. So I'm pretty pumped. I, I am pretty sold on the Bears. I have David Montgomery in a couple leagues. I, I like the Bears. I like those guys that you talked about. Um Cole Komet is, is one of my favorite sleeper picks of the entire season. So yeah, from yeah. a fantasy football perspective, I'm I'm loving the upside the Chicago Bears give you. Like you said, the O-line definitely needs definitely need some work um but you know you just you never know you just never know what's going to happen these dudes could just decide to ball out this year and then you know that's what happened with the saints you know as a big saints fan myself um you know the saints were viewed to have one of the worst offensive lines and then in 2016 you know they decided to just snap out of it ball out and do their thing so it's just kind of you just never know really um so what have you been up to recently my man
1: yeah so uh, I actually went back to school. I'm in um, Kelly School of Business right now I'm um, going after my MBA my master's in business Administration and I kind of want to do some consulting uh, after after I graduate here it's a it's a remote program it's a two year program. so I've been studying a lot doing a lot of schoolwork and um, it's fun though I like it. I like learning. I'm always interested in this in business stuff and how everything works and these symbiotic relationships that companies have and the game theory and the strategies and you know the it stuff so it's uh it's, it's pretty cool stuff and kelly's a top 15 business school so i uh so what i'm doing right now is back in school at the right age of 35 i'm going to college
0: it's never too late it's never too late that's one thing to always keep in mind for anybody listening especially you young people out there or even you older people out there it's never too late to go back and, and chase your dreams and do what you want to do um I mean, my boy Clay was blowing in the league for nine years, you know, he's going back getting that degree. So that's what's up. Um, I, I, every, I ask every single guest on my show, the same question to, uh, kind of conclude the show. What is one piece of advice, regardless of the audience, anything like that, um, that you would give to somebody, um, just in general?
1: Yeah. So if you want to make a change, if you ever want to change your life and be more successful or, or just just more, just be better, you know, and you got to realize that it's not one transformative moment that is going to make this change. It's going to be your daily habits and your daily routines. You know, you'll never change something. You'll never change your life until you change something you do daily. It's, it's all about getting 1% better a day. James Clear Atomic Habits, you get 1% better a day, you'll be 37% better at the end of the year. The old Aristotle quote: You are what you repeatedly do. Therefore, excellence is not an act, but a habit. If you want to be great, you got to change your daily routine. You got to change your daily habits. Implement one habit at a time. It's easier to implement one habit than two. Make it the smallest, the smallest actual part of that habit you can do. Just get yourself in the gym for 20 minutes a day. The next thing you know, once you got that established, you can expand that to 30 minutes. You want to start eating healthy. You know, you, you got to start, you know, make sure you buy some some healthy food from the store and, you know, OK, so I'll start with, OK, half my plate's healthy. Then then you kind of gradually improve. So implement the habit, implement the, uh, the habit, the habit of a small portion and just know that the change is done incrementally and in small pieces. It doesn't happen all at once.
0: That's great advice. I've actually never gotten that advice on this show before. Over a hundred episodes deep, and we've never gotten anyone, you know, telling you to self-improve yourself like that. That's awesome. I love that, um, Clay. Where can we find you out on social media? Yeah, just uh, Clay Harbs eighty two on
1: Twitter. That's, uh, I mean, that's pretty much it. I talk a lot of football. Um, I've been doing a lot of. Uh, I've been, I've been very interested in, in the league this year, and you know, being a uh, an analyst uh, or something similar to that is something that's always intrigued me. Kind of been like a little side side gig I've liked to to try to do. So uh, if you want if you want to talk football, you love sports like I do. Follow me on Twitter.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, Clay Harbor, nine year NFL vet, spent time with five different NFL teams. Thank you so much for hopping on the show today. Make sure y'all follow my boy. I'll link his socials in the description of this episode. Once again, thank you so much, Clay, for hopping on the show today. I wish you all the success in your future endeavors, and we'll have to stay in touch. We got a trip to New Orleans to plan. Yeah, of course, Michael. Appreciate you having me on.
1: Yes, sir.
0: This episode of the Michael Balco Show is brought to you by Donato's Pizza. Donato's Pizza prides themselves on ensuring that every piece of their pizza is the best piece of pizza you'll ever eat. I sure love me some Donato's Pizza, and I can guarantee that you will, too. Donato's has three locations in the Erie area and many more across the country. Check out your local Donato's pizza today.